What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO, legend, and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back. Happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing excellent, taking care of yourselves. Welcome back. We've got Dead Kitty right on back here. Yes, yes, she said hello. We've got the... Oh, we've got aliens just dropping everywhere. We've got everything zen. Put them right here. Meditating Bigfoot. And... Oh my god, baby alien. What happened? You're, you're okay. Don't worry. Here we go. Baby alien saying hello. Yes, yes. And we've got Mr. Alien Head always making his appearance. So, oh, I love this color. So, as promised, last episode we left off with Krista, uh, Krista's uh, abduction case. And we're going to finish it off with finding out if there's reptilians in the base, as well as what else happened in her research. So, let's get on to it. Sorry, I'm just trying to... Trying to put this guy back. See, he's got so many colors. But we got to get back to off. There we go. Okay, so, Krista. Talking about whether or not there were reptilians in the Dolce base during her abduction. If you didn't hear the first podcast on this abduction event, please go to part one, which should be directly before this, and you will be able to hear it. So, uh, she. this is a question and answer um, type of document uh, it's on ufo uh, casebook.com and it's an abduction case regarding a miss krista that happened uh, back in 87 so let's pull this up here i just want to make sure i'm getting the accurate everything accurate i apologize it was in 73 73 so make sure i'm right no, her experience did happen. July 1987. She was doing research on two other individuals, Judy Doherty, who was abducted in May of 1973, and Myrna Hansen, who was abducted in May 1980. 87 is a great time period in this um, in alien abductions because we started to get a lot more information in the late 80s, early 80s. It was pretty limited early you know late 70s was pretty limited but by the by the late 80s we were getting a lot of information about dolce base and people were coming out um into including thomas costello who was giving us information about the fact that they were doing human experimentations they had humans and pods that they were growing and just so much more information really disturbing stuff about nightmare hall being on level eight of this hive based underground uh dolce base which they call it dumb bases deep underground military bases where the first levels are long and then each level gradually gets smaller and smaller and smaller towards the bottom it's like a reverse hive or reverse pyramid if you will and we're talking about um, the interviewer asking her what kind of aliens if any did you encounter in the Delta base she states i don't believe i came across any reptilian aliens at all the only types that i've been associated with most of her life were small gray aliens, the ones I call workers. These are beings that I believe are soulless beings that are workers for an established alien race. They're given certain chores, certain jobs, just like we would if we were if we worked for a large company. They are there are some taller gray alien beings that I have also encountered. Even though their eyes are large and dark, they don't have a reptilian look at all. Um, I know what you were talking about. No, I have not really encountered any of those. Um, so it sounds like the vast majority of the small 
race. She states the established alien race that, that the greys work for, uh, according to many sources, are taller, more reptilian-appearing species, including the white Draco, who reside within level 6 and level 7 of the Dolce base, which Krista does not recall entering at this point. Do you know of any other bases that we may be unaware of? She says, that's a great question. Right now she's working with two individuals, um, wonderful researchers, one named Timothy Good, who's written multiple UFO books. Uh, the one she references is Above Top Secret. If you haven't read that book, that's one of the quintessential UFO researching books you'd ever want to read. Uh, it has so much information that's detailed information uh, that you want to get your hands on. She states the uh, the other book she she had also read was Alien Liaison um, that have it has information on many, many, many underground facilities or bases that are being used for different purposes. Last I heard from different sources, there's up to 255 different underground military bases and as possible as 1100 just in the u.s um and that could be a number that's worldwide as well so it's very fascinating most of the underground bases are, uh she states are being used for covert purposes otherwise purposes involving governments who are doing certain types of testing that they consider would be safer to do underground i mean i guess that makes sense what if you have a outbreak you can keep it underground, right? Especially with like an alien bacteria and aliens being down there. That makes sense. Um, and she states, there are other bases, particularly one north of Tucson, Arizona, which I'm almost positive I was taken to, and it goes under the cover name Evergreen Aviation. Evergreen Aviation is the cover name, apparently, for this base. They have all the planes there. But what I found during my 10 years of research is this is a CIA-backed facility. I got very, very close to the facility. I climbed over the wired fence. I snuck in with a pilot friend of mine not long ago and got some great photographs of some black helicopters. These black helicopters were unmarked, as they always are. Uh, they were There were some other type of aircraft there. So we really believe that there are many, many bases in many states. I've heard... Of bases in almost every state here in the US. Now the two individuals I'm, I'm doing work with and research with in Great Britain especially are researching underground bases in America and also in Great Britain. I guess they contacted me because they felt like there was a tie-in or some sort of connection and that it would be a good thing for us to work together and share information about what different types of facilities we know about and what they might have differences of. In a lot of facilities where they are doing medical testing, uh, many of them are in America. Some of them are actual laboratories like Los Alamos. Los Alamos is where uh, Emory Smith worked, and Richard Doty also had some experiences at Los Alamos. They do a massive amount of covert work with black projects of our own government, so we're talking about installations underground and above ground, and they're doing things we probably have no idea about. We hear rumors, of course, different things going on. I would venture to guess that uh, more than likely these rumors have proven to be true about 90% of the time. My belief is that the greys operate from a base animal or predatory instinct in their agendas to increase their power base and exploit their cultures. And that they will continue to do so as a collective until they're stopped by some force. 
Some of the greys, I believe, might be tamed by humans, so to speak, to attain a degree of emotional individuality uh, if they can be severed from the collective hive mind. This is interesting because, you know, I think as humans, we always strive to be individual, you know. We always have to fit into a mold, uh, you know, that society wants us to fill into. You know, if you get a job, you have to work your job, you do the nine to five, you have to present yourself a certain way and that kind of thing. But I think so many people want to have individuality. Maybe they want to do paintings like the ones behind me. Maybe they want to, you know, dress a certain way. Maybe they want to have, you know, you know, I don't know, tattoos on their face, whatever they want. They want to have individuality. And I think that although, you know, these species might have eventually gone into a hive mind to protect themselves um, and protect their society, I think that there's always going to be that desire to learn on your own. Um, so I think that that's kind of interesting. That was a that was a question posed by the interviewer, and she and Krista states, "I I agree with you on most of that. Certainly, the Greys seem to do things in a massive, collective consciousness. I've noticed that they do things together. There is almost no discussion amongst themselves, and they seem to be working on projects or certain things that are given to them by higher ups and higher alien beings or humans." And she describes them as soulless. I kind of want to say that these guys are just, you know, biologic robots that don't have a soul at all. You know, they're just created entities like we would grow inside of a test tube just to be our own personal servants. Um, I believe these aliens have come here for a reason. Certain individuals in the government given uh, orders uh, have been given orders by their higher ups to either give them opportunities to work alongside the aliens <clears throat> uh or the aliens that were working alongside with me might have a different purpose altogether. It's very difficult to try to figure out. Now, this is where it gets kind of interesting. He asks about, have you ever had encounters with any Nazi-type aliens? Those described by Barney Hill, Alex Christopher, Vladimir Terzisky, and others, these alien fascists who date back to the secret Nazi flying disc experiments, and are allegedly working with the greys and rep reptoids. Now, this is what I've talked about in previous podcasts, the Mars reptilians that we've been talking about, and Mars Mars Germans that are working with the reptilians. It makes sense. You know, and it, I swear there's there's so much synchronicity. I started watching the, the Man in the High Tower, is that what it's called? Um, where it was a Nazi, where the Nazis and, and, the, and Japan had won World War II and taken over. And what that would look like in America. Um, it's really, it's, it was like the number one show on Amazon Prime. And it is, it is interesting <clears throat> and scary because, you, you know, you get, a, get kind of a sense for what would have happened if they did win. Um, not a world you'd want to live in. And these, these Nazis that moved to Mars did their off base or off Earth um, breakaway civilization have power over Mars and over these other uh, planetoids. Um, so he asked her about these. I, I have heard of these Nazi aliens. Of course, when I first heard about them um, from Tal Levesque back in 1987, I had not come into contact with what I would call Nazi-type aliens, although since most of my experience has involved medical experiments, genetic experimentation on me, on my daughter or family, I would almost say that it reeks of uh, the Jews during the Holocaust, that I would equate some of these experiments with what has happened to me. It's strange because I'm part German. I come from a family that originally came from Germany, so I do have some German blood, 
but I'm not leaning one way or the other. Um, I'm very open to all races, creeds, colors of people working together to establish a wonderful world if, if that would be possible. But anyway, I have not encountered these Nazi types. I've certainly heard a lot about them. I've heard that they're very mean-spirited aliens. Makes sense. They're, very, they're fascists. Uh, I don't know what their agenda is since I've not had contact with them. With these these types, I really have no reason to do any research on them. Uh, also, the same goes for the tall reptilians, although many of my friends and researchers have contacted me, telling me stories about their experiences with that, with that race. Uh, so that's interesting. Now, this next question gets into what um, Stephen Greer had talked about, where he talked about a congressional military force going in and taking over these bases, these secret bases by force if they wouldn't give them up because they're not underneath congressional power. They're underneath a totally separate government. Um, so this question uh, to Krista says, what are your views of a possible congressionally backed takeover of the Dolce base in the future? And what would your views be on dealing with the problem supposedly that the greys don't surrender interesting she states although i've researched uh, or through all the research i've done and all the proof i've come up with many times i've been up there poking around with different researchers and we're almost positive now um about the rumor that that this base has been deserted or uh, was deserted long ago um, and is no longer being used by our government for what reason, I'm not sure. So that's interesting. She says, I believe it had a lot to do with the military action that was there. We found some spent military cartridge shells up near where we think the base of the opening is. We found some sea ration cans, uh, you know, food cans. We found some different types of antenna that the government would have used for communication. These are the things that I found up in the mountainous areas. If you've ever been there, you'll know what I'm talking about. These things tell me that my research partner, that indeed there was some type of military response there in the past. Interesting. Uh, these areas I speak about, that my research partner who lives in the area claims were some of the openings to the base, have been concreted and cemented up. Now, that's been done by somebody. Someone. So it sounds like there might have actually been a military invasion of this place at some point, or this, or the people who had the black op, black government that was there maybe have sealed it up on their own. So we know some type of government official company, we believe it was a CIA-backed organization, was there. In my Dolce papers, I show an area of a ranch just north of the Ultralata Mesa, Ultralata Mesa area. Um, we've been unable to track uh, or find the individuals who own this property now for many years. What we've been told by the individuals who lived in or around the area is that there's a landing strip on this particular property and there are large towers. Now, this is where it becomes really interesting because we've heard a lot of stories and even, even see them in movies where there's just like this ranch house that, that has a few few cars outside of it. And that's it. And it's just like on this farm by itself. Well, this farmhouse is just a place for these people to just go into, go into an underground tunnel and transport themselves you know, a mile or two away to an underground base. So it's the entry point, the house that just looks like, you know, a residential house, but they go into these places, go underground and go into these secret bases. So 
<clears throat> this house could be one of those houses. I did get onto the property and close up to get, a, get some pictures of these bulletproof towers that were sitting on the property. There were about 20 of them, but now there's only five. We're wondering why they were taken out and where they were taken. Anyway, I have pictures of those, and they're not, they're not just fire towers. I don't know what that means. Like fire? Firing? <clears throat> where they might have like a, a sniper? Some people try to explain them away by saying, oh, those are just our ranchers. They can go up into the towers and look for fires, things like that. The strange part about that is when you walk up the towers, there is a dark black glass you can't look in to see, but it's bulletproof. And what's strange is the opening, you're unable to get into these towers. We don't know if they were just put there for show. We really don't know what they are, but we believe they were placed there for some reason. Interesting. Uh, nobody in the town of Dolce knows who owns that property. My partner, my partner did track down someone who did own the property over 20 years ago, but after that it seemed to kind of go into covert hands. So they go into these shell companies and nobody knows who owns what when they go into those companies. The property also had what looked like a small wooden house. Just another entry point probably. You could just walk in there. It's been evacuated. There's nothing in there. This type of facility or front for an underground base in that area would be perfect because this area was cordoned off by what we believe at one time was an electrified fence, which stated, uh, or which they said was used to keep the cattle out. We believe it was used for another purpose for the signs posted all over saying no trespassing. These were the types of signs that you would see near Area 51. Uh, so we have to wonder what's really going on on that property. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Andromeda Strain. I saw it the other day and just haven't seen it in a long time. But the underground facility that they went into was stationed on kind of a mock-up farm where they went into the farmhouse and went into the tool shed. And then all of a sudden this elevator starts going down, down, down. That's exactly what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I didn't even read that far into this article. It's exactly what I'm talking about, though. And what they found when they went down was this massive underground biological testing facility. I have to believe that these types of facilities that I've seen are are probably all over every state. So it goes back to the question, if there was a military takeover, uh, it already happened and the base was closed. Again, there's no proof. Some of the aliens who live on the Jicaria, uh Apache land, uh, these people are very, very close and they don't talk to outsiders. The information I got was from an inside source. And I can only tell you that one Jicarilla Apache Indian told a dear friend of mine years, year, uh, of many years there. He said he was going up the mountainous area there through the Archulata Mesa back into the hills and walking alongside the edge <clears throat> or the ledge. All of a sudden he felt some dirt falling on his head. So, of course, you're walking in this desert area, you feel something on your head, you immediately respond and look up, and he did, and he saw, uh, what he saw horrified him. It was a man who was in his 60s. This man looked up, and what he told his friend is, I, I saw a gray being with large, black, inky eyes staring down at me over a ledge, and it looked like a large rock had been swiveled out, was sticking out the side of a mountain. And he did a double take and he looked away like someone who would rub their eyes saying, oh, I'm just seeing things. And he looked back up and he saw it again. This time he said he took off and ran. He was running for his life. He was extremely frightened. And what's strange is this man is friends of 
the, the men high up in the Jicarella Apache Tribal Council, and he has kept the secret from everyone except for my research partner. He told him that when he got back, he was shaking and extremely frightened. This is really interesting because he talks about this block of rock that just opened in the mountain and then closed. This is similar to what Bob Lazar talked about uh, in the Area 51 and S2 where the rock mountain would, the side of the mountain just open and alien craft would fly in. Um, there's a couple videos on the internet. I don't know if they're legit or not because, you know, it's hard to tell these days. But there's a video of somebody who was walking and they, they, were, they had video on, and this is an, not a current video, this is probably... A, a decade two decades ago um but the rock right in front of you know maybe i don't know 100 feet in front of him just opens up this huge wall and you can see inside it's just black you can't see what's in there real quick because it's kind of like it's not a direct angle it's off off angle it's you know he could probably see like 10 percent of what the black part can show and then the door closes again um but yeah they can do that that's Hollywood, baby. You can do that. They can make that. That's easy. People make secret rooms in their houses all the time. So, you know, people thinking that that couldn't exist, you know, that's that's totally within the realm of possibility. Um, so she goes on to state that this tells me um, that there still are gray aliens inhabiting some part of that base because this interview took place in the in the uh, year nineteen ninety six. Um, so this is after 87 when she got abducted. So this is in 1996. So <clears throat> she wonders, you know, is, did they use part of the base uh, after it become more secure and sealing off the other entrances so people couldn't get in there? Maybe the Greys sealed it off? Um, let the people of Dulce worry about the aliens. We don't want to deal with them anymore. <laughs> I don't really know what happened during the military events that happened there. I don't really know what happened, but I'm positive that there was a confrontation just by the evidence that, that we found. Uh, so anyway, moving forward in the article, um, she states, have you, or the question, the interviewer has a question, have you been taken to other planets or spheres during your abductions? Not that I know of. Uh, however, I was taken to some large, massive ship. It had to, be, had to have been a mother, mother ship. This thing was massive. It was miles and miles long. I'm not sure exactly where I was. I received some instructions while I was there. There were light beings there. Now, this is really interesting, man, because light beings totally different phenomena. These things are higher echelon, <coughs> well, well-established spiritual beings. Um, you know, they're not in our dimension. They can they can blend in, and blend out, you know, phase in, phase out. Um, but she stated that they look like angelic beings, only without the wings. They were wearing lo long robes. And I was taken into an area where they had a podium and a teacher that came out and was teaching the people there. These people were human. I did not see any aliens at that time, so I'm not exactly sure where I was. That's really interesting, right? Because on one hand, she's been talking about these gray aliens for so long. And then all of a sudden, she's seen these angelic type beings that um, were being taught by another, you know... Uh, being well it sounds like the, there's humans there they were being taught by this like angelic light being and this is really interesting because when i was younger i had this dream or this recurring dream i i'm not sure maybe it actually happened i, I really don't know 
But what I do know is, is that I was amongst many other humans and we were being shown earth rotating and we were being shown and given information, but I could not remember it. So for, I'd have to go and undergo hypnotic regression to, to get that information because I don't know it, but I did have that recurring dream. I also had a recurring dream that I was in the, in this pool type area where it's dark and we were also receiving information at that at that point again i don't know if it was real i don't know if it was if it was fake uh, it could have been a dream why would you have a dream like that this before i was even an adult this is when i was a kid um i wasn't even into aliens at that time you know i was into like you know teenage mutant ninja turtles and stuff like that I had i you know i had a you know a dad that watched shows but he would be awake after midnight he wasn't even home when I was home, you know, he worked second shift. Um, so yeah, I wasn't up after midnight watching shows with him. So I don't know where that came from, but it is interesting because it kind of correlates with what she's talking about there. Um, I didn't have an angelic being that I'm aware of, but again, we'd have to go into hypnotic regression to find out. Questionnaire, uh, the questioner asks, uh, did you ever get to see what is inside the tanks? No, not during the Dolce experience, she states. I walked up to the tank. I could smell a sulfuric type odor. I remember that I first went into the medical field. We were invited down uh, to see an autopsy and the formaldehyde they used was sickeningly sweet. The smell that is very difficult to try to explain to somebody who's not smelled it before. Well, I smell this weird, um, but I can, I can say that I smelled, it smelled a lot like that. <clears throat> Sorry. The officer and the military man that was with me guiding me would not allow me up into the tank to look at it. Um, you asked if they were both breeding and feeding tanks. I believe so, because from what I've been told from some of the women who saw these tanks, they saw body parts inside. That's been reported by multiple abductees that have gone into the Dolce base. They've seen just like arms and legs just in these freaking tanks. It's insane. Um, the types of tanks that I saw were being used for breeding and cultivations of small alien beings. Now that's interesting because I haven't heard that before. Um, I've only heard that they were like human tanks. Uh, the only thing that I can describe it looking like is a fake type of womb. A woman carries a child in her uterus. Um, well, these types of breeding tanks that you're talking about were used to cultivate the fetus that they extract from the individuals who they abduct. And take there so that's why these women who have who have these abduction experiences they have the child taken out of them they might put them in these tanks and allow them to breed further and longer and you know kind of bake a little bit longer <clears throat> so what the questioner asks what do you think most of the hybrids feel about the position they are in note i intended the question to be more of the humanoid fetuses who have been infused with non-human uh, cattle, cetacean or gray DNA, uh, who, who are being kept in the underground bases around ships. However, Krista took it to mean the Terran Nordic alien beings like herself, or hybrids, I'm sorry, Terran Nordic alien hybrids like herself or her daughter that were living on our surface world. She states, that's a very good question. Not many people ask that. I myself, being a hybrid, uh, have felt that I do not fit in anywhere. I still don't feel like I fit into this very day. Um, there's an emptiness inside me that I just can't explain. I feel like almost like they don't belong here on earth. I certainly feel that way. 
if the outer world, this is the, this is the interviewer again, if the outer world gets a hold of the Dolce technology and begins to colonize other worlds, could this alleviate population, economic, environmental, and other problems this planet faces? In other words, to take away the imposed barriers that have kept Earthbound, uh, kept us Earthbound, and in essence, finally let us out of the cradle. Uh, the Greys, for one, do not wish Terrans to gain interstellar advantages and become a threat to their own empirical agendas. So they're not going to allow us to do that. Um, once we were robbed of our resources, the Greys used their, psycholo used their psychological slaves on Earth to set us against each other and turn us around and say, Ha, you people are too violent to be allowed to have interstellar technology. Although there have been technology exchanges, it would seem that they are either being used as a ruse by the Greys to gain access to our, ex to our society and abduct individuals and impose a global electronic dictatorship, or that it's being provided by the Federation Nordics so that they can help defend Earth for the mutual benefit of themselves and their human cousins on Earth. What do you think about all this? Interesting. I believe without a doubt, she states, that we have been working on projects to colonize the moon underground and also colonize Mars. I've talked with scientists, former NASA astronauts, and without a doubt, that's what's going on. Uh, so, she goes on and talks a little bit about how there is this kind of duality between um, trying to colonize Mars and the moon. Um, they're two separate things right now. Um, and that the moon is a stepping stone from Earth to move on towards Mars. Um, and they, they go on to talk about, like, Christian, not Christianity, but, well, they do talk a little bit about Christianity. But they talk about the greys and are they soulless? She believes that they are. What do you think our greatest strength is as human beings is? Interesting. Um, they talk a little bit more about... Jesus, but you know it's interesting because you know a lot of a lot of this. I mean, we could make another podcast. Honestly, this there's 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 a, a fair chunk of this that has to go with how how much more information she has. <laughs> I might make a part three, but anyway, I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, so takeaways from this: she met other species. She, she met like an angelic type species that didn't have wings, but did have uh, a glowing robe on that was teaching humans on a mothership. That's interesting. Uh, her research has led her with other researchers to believe that the Dolce base was part of a military incursion, uh, that it was closed off and now only greys exist. Um, many Apache and other uh, Native American tribal um, individuals report that there are aliens in that area, that there are ships in that area, and they don't want to talk about it because their belief is you start talking about it, it will come and find you. So we have a lot of information going on here, um, more to dive into. We've talked about vats of humans. We've talked about vats of aliens now, or alien hybrids now um, that she's seen, talked about, heard about, touched, smelled the formaldehyde. Um, and if there were humans working in these bases, they might have used formaldehyde to keep things sanitary and, and uh, alive. So, really fascinating stuff. I'm going to let you guys go. These are kind of getting long, but I think it's important information to get out. So, I hope you guys are doing well, taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally. 
following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. And as always, continue to question the universe around you. Go please like, follow, and subscribe right now with Hello Kitty. Lockdown Universe out.